Open your Bibles, if you will, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. I'm glad that you're here this morning. We would have had a larger crowd, but they were too exhausted to come. Do you realize that since last January... The first in 2022, you have traveled over 7 million miles as the earth rotated on its axis. So some of them were too exhausted to come, but you're here, and I'm glad you came. Glad to have my grandson, Matthew Flagler, with us today. His wife, Tricia, worked here for a while in the office. She was sick. She was not able to come today, but... uh, She worked here, and then they left to go to Thailand to teach. Uh, But Trisha's mother, Beth, is here. We're glad to have her. And, of course, glad to have each one of you in the worship service this morning. Now you have your Bibles open to Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. We're going to begin reading at verse 9, or verse 6, rather, and read through verse 9. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he to the vine dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that it shall be cut down. We're going to focus our attention this morning on the subject of one more year. The parable that I have just read is about a fruitless fig tree. Unlike many of Jesus' miracles, this one is simple and it's easy to understand. As you know, parables have only one major theme, but they do have a lot of applications. And so the truth in this particular parable is humbling and heartbreaking at the same time. It is filled with grace one more year, but there's a severe warning, only one more year. This parable teaches us many lessons. It said there was a certain man that planted a fig tree in the corner of his vineyard. It was planted in prepared soil. It had a wall around it for its own protection by nature. It should be bearing a lot of fruit, but it was not. For two years, the owner of the vineyard came searching for fruit and found none. Of course, he was disappointed. He came the third year, and, well, it was no better. The tree had failed again. And the only thing that this tree was doing was exhausting the soil and taking up space. And so he said to the vine dresser, cut it down, get rid of it. There's no reason for it to stand anymore. 
The vine dresser, who evidently in this case would be the Lord Jesus, began to plea for the fig tree, and he said, give it one more year, and I'll dig around it, I'll loosen the soil around the roots, I'll fertilize it, and if it bears fruit this year, wonderful, if not, we'll take it down. The owner said to him, I'll give it one more year, and if not, cut it down. The parable ends leaving the fig tree with great hope, but it also has to bear, bear fruit or else it is doomed. It seems to me that this parable speaks both to the saved and to the unsaved. It is now a never for some people. It may be that some vine dresser, some uh, prayer warrior, has been praying for you and for me for years <clears throat> that we might bear fruit. Maybe praying for Ashley River Baptist Church that we might be fruit bearing. But if we do not bear fruit, then the owner may say, cut it down. <clears throat> cut it down. There's no reason for it to stand anymore. It's useless. I want to give you four things about this parable. I'm going to give them to you up front because I may not get to all of them. But first, we're going to look at the planting of the fig tree and then the purpose of the fig tree and then the present-day fig tree and the plea for the fig tree. I want you to keep these four things in your mind. We begin with the planting of the fig tree. The Bible said the fig tree was planted in a vineyard. It was planted in a very favorite spot. If you go to Palestine, you will note that there are two things that stand out, the vineyard and the fig tree. And normally the vineyard would be planted on a fertile hillside. And then in the corners of the garden, they would plant a fig tree. It was rich soil. The soil was deep. It was rich. And this particular fig tree had been selected by the owner, planted by the vine dresser in that good rich soil in the corner of the vineyard. It was carefully chosen. I suppose when the owner went to the nursery to pick out the fig tree, he, care he carefully examined it to make sure that it was the right kind of fig tree, not a wild one. It was a fig tree that would naturally bear good fruit. If you want to see a classic example of this fig tree, you go back to the book of Isaiah in chapter 5, and it is the song of the vineyard. I'll give you just the gist of it. God said through Isaiah, talking about his own people, he said, I planted my vineyard on a fruitful hillside. I built a wall around it for its protection. He said, I also uh, placed a wine press in the middle of it. And I also built a watchtower. And then I sat down to wait for the fruit to bear, and he said, I found none. And then he asked a rhetorical question, what more could I have done? And of course, the answer is, you did all you could. You couldn't have done any more. But then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll trample down the fig, the vines. 
I will tear down the wall and I will destroy it. And then if you go down to Isaiah 5 and verse 11, it says, and the vineyard is the house of Israel. The vineyard is the nation of Israel. Now, fig trees are highly valued in Palestine. Normally, they're very productive. In fact, the fig tree might produce fruit for, well, 10 months out of the year. You can usually find some figs almost all the time, three crops a year. And the trees and the vineyards are highly valued and prized by the people. And so this particular fig tree that had been planted in the corner of the garden had everything going for it. It had been carefully chosen. It had been planted. It had been supplied with fertilizer and whatever the needs were. It had been protected by a wall. And Jesus is speaking here of the nation of Israel, speaking about his own people. Now, Israel is spoken of a number of times in the, the Old Testament as being a fig tree. For example, in the book of Hosea in chapter 9 and in verse 10, I have found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe of the fig tree. And then there are two very special things that stand out about the fig tree in Israel. First of all, it spoke about peace. The scripture tells us that it was in this place in Micah chapter 4 and verse 8. And they shall sit every man under his vine and fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. The fig tree then would speak about peace, and the fig tree would also speak about safety. In First Kings chapter 4 and verse 23, And Judah and Israel shall dwell safely, every man in his vineyard and under his fig tree. And so the planting of this fig tree in the corner of the garden had everything going for it and it speaks to us about the nation of Israel. Secondly, notice the purpose of the fig tree. Now the Jewish people were chosen carefully by God that they might bear fruit, the nation of Israel. Uh, God chose them and he spoke of them as being his own chosen people. Uh, God chose them and planted them in the land of Canaan in a place flowing, the scripture says, with milk and honey. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you will find in chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, that God chose Abraham. And there were two reasons for the choosing of Abraham. Look, look at verse 2. He said, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be great. And then down in verse 2, he said, And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He said, Abraham, I'm going to send the Messiah through you, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. Not only did God choose Abraham to be the father of the nation of Israel and the one through whom the Messiah would come, but he also chose Moses that he might lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage 
and bring them into this good land that God had promised to Abraham. And then God chose Joshua to be the one that would finally lead them into the land of Canaan. In the book of Joshua chapter 1 and in verse 2, God speaks to Joshua and he said to him, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore rise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into a land that I will give thee. And coming on over to the Psalms, the psalmist said in chapter 33, verse 12, Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord, and the people whom God hath chosen to be his inheritance. And so God had planted Israel in the land of Canaan as a tender plant. He had established them. He had taken care of them. He had separated them from the heathen nations that were around them. He had sent them prophets to give new revelation of himself to them. And the prophets had come to warn them and also to guide them and also to instruct them. And so with tender care, God had brought his people into Canaan. He watered them. He fed them. He pruned them. And what was the outcome? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. God had expected a whole lot from them, just as he expects a whole lot from you and me. But there was no fruit. You see, God expected fruit from the nation of Israel. It was just, and it was right. But instead of having borne fruit, he found rebellion and stubbornness. Religious, yes. Righteousness, no. And then he comes to the sending of his son, the Lord Jesus. And the coming of the Lord Jesus is the final opportunity that God is going to give to his people, Israel. When Jesus was walking in Palestine, he begged the people of Israel to repent of their sins and to return to the Lord. He stood outside of the city of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, looked down into the valley at Jerusalem and the scripture said he wept over the city and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. But then he said, and you would not. Instead of allowing him to be their king and their savior, their Messiah, the Bible tells us that they denied him and they killed him. But it was the last chance that God gave to the nation of Israel because God said, cut it down. And about 37 years later, Titus and his Roman army marched into that land and cut down the city of Jerusalem and made all of the inhabitants of Israel to be Roman citizens. He cut it down because it was not bearing fruit. But now let's move on from the nation of Israel because that's a long way off and we can hardly relate to that. But let's bring it just a little bit closer and look at present day fig trees. Does this fig tree parable have anything to do with you and me in this present day? Well, I want to approach it from three different angles because I certainly believe it does have something to do. The present day fig tree and when I thought about the present-day fig tree, the first thing I thought about was our country, the country in which you and I live. 
Surely the United States has been highly favored by God. He planted this nation and he had a purpose for the people who came here. Our nation has never been a Christian nation, but it had Christian principles. The early people who came and inhabited this country were believers in Jesus Christ. And it has been, we have been blessed of God to live in a land of Bibles and a land of churches, a land where the gospel can be preached. I believe that God planted us right here in the corner of his earth in order that we might be a blessing to other people. Through the years, he has cared for us. He has protected us. He has provided for us. He has prospered us. And what has America done? I need not tell you. I simply remind you. The American, for the most part, has said, God, keep out of our government. God, keep out of our schools. God, don't tell us what to do as family members. We don't need it. We live in a different generation, a different world. And it may very well be that one day God will say, I'll cut you down, America. United States, I'll cut you down. I don't have to let you stay there any longer. I can cut you down. We look at the country. But if I dare, may I want to come just a little step closer and talk about the church. And when I speak about the church, I'm not talking about the invisible church. I'm talking about Ashley River Baptist Church. God planted this church on Savannah Highway some 80 years ago. And he planted us here for a purpose. And he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to win the people that drive by and look at the building. I want you to win them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But you know something? We have a whole lot of leaves, but we don't have a whole lot of fruit. I thank God for the fruit that we have had for every soul that has been saved. But we have more leaves than we have fruit. It was the last week of Jesus' earthly life. He had been teaching in the temple complex during the day and then going out to Bethany or the Mount of Olives to spend the night. The scripture tells us that early one morning he got up with his disciples and they began to walk from Bethany to go into Jerusalem where he would start teaching. And on the way he looked and he saw a fig tree. And the scripture said that he was hungry. He made his way over to the fig tree and there was nothing but leaves, no figs. Normally when you have leaves on a fig tree, you have figs. But on this fig tree was nothing but leaves. And the Bible said he cursed it. He simply said, cut it down. It's useless. Cut it down. It may be that in our present day, thinking about the fig tree, that God may someday say to America, cut it down. Or God may say to Ashley River Church, cut it down. But I'm going to take a chance on going one step closer and talk about the Christian. I'm talking about you and me. And in order to talk about you and me, I want to call memory to the stand. And I want to ask you something. Are you better today, a better Christian today than you were a year ago? Are you praying more? Are you reading the Bible more? Are you witnessing more? 
Is there any fruit in your life and mine? Are we really doing what God wants us to do? If you think about it for a moment, you will remember this. You know, this building can hold, what, 800, 1,000 people? And it ought to be filled every Sunday. In fact, there needs to be two buildings here, and they need to be filled every Sunday. Or if you say, well, we don't believe in building a mega church, but then let's plant some others. I know some churches that have done that. They were fruitful, and they multiplied. It's dangerous for us if we are not fruitful. In fact, when I think of my own life, I'm a little bit frightened by the fact that I'm not bearing more fruit. Maybe a lot of leaves, but not a whole lot of fruit. You and I need to be very careful because the verse that we read earlier this morning in John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 16, said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and ordain you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And so it's dangerous for us to be unfruitful. In fact, John the Baptist said in his day, the ax is laid at the root of the tree. You either bear fruit or you will be cut down. Let's come to the fourth thing about the fig tree, and that is the pleading for the fig tree. The fig tree had a champion. Thank the Lord for that vine dresser. The owner of the fig tree said, cut it down, it's useless. But then there's a champion, the vine dresser. And he said to the owner, let's give it one more year. I'm glad that you and I have a vine dresser. His name is Jesus. He's our champion. He's our mediator. He's the one that's saying to the father, let's give him another year. Individually, collectively, let's give them another year. Let me dig about it. Let me move upon it. Let me cultivate it. Give it one more year. Give it one more chance. And maybe the owner is saying, okay, I'm going to give it one more chance. You know, you and I are in debt to the mercies of God. He has shown us his mercy over and over again, shown his mercy to sluggish churches, shown his mercy to cold, indifferent Christians. But there is a limit to the mercy of God. It might be that God is saying, I'll let them hear one more sermon. I'll give you one more opportunity I will extend one more invitation, but if it doesn't work, then cut it down. To each of us, there comes a final chance, a chance to stand up and be counted for the Lord, a chance to come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, a chance to surrender our lives completely to him, one more chance, and then cut it down. What is it going to be? God in his mercy has given you and me this one more chance. It has to be, there has to be a decision made by you and me. And it may be now or never. In a moment, we are going to stand and Anne Marie is going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. And as the Lord speaks to your heart, whatever he says, obey him today. Because it may be the last opportunity that you and I have.
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's in this building today. And I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. You've spoken to us, and now let us obey. Let us move. Let us heed the warning that you gave just one more year. And may every decision that is made today glorify you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Brother Rand is going to come and Anne's going to lead us. Let's stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come. <laughs>